You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Welcome to the Screamcast episode 98. I am Sean DeRager, and I'm going to be talking to Brad Henderson in just a second. He will be reporting from Austin, Texas, talking about all the movies he's seen so far at South by Southwest. But first, we're going to jump into some news. And with me for this new segment, Josh Obershaw. Hey, everybody. <laughs> All right, so it's uh, it's been it's been a pretty good uh, little week. I think I had some good announcements last week, and I know that uh, when we posted the show, we also it's I think the day before we kicked things off um, with the Rocktober Blood Blu-ray news. Uh, yeah, we did. That was some pretty exciting news, um, considering you guys had just talked to the uh, Sebastians about about that. But now we've actually got some details. Trey Sebastian, the son of the uh, Sebastians is launching an Indiegogo campaign to raise money for the long-awaited sequel, Rocktober Blood 2, Billy's Revenge. <laughs> and uh, that's going to launch in May. But before then, you can um, actually pre-order a Blu-ray of the original Rocktober Blood. And originally, this was going to be a pre-sale that includes the Blu-ray or DVD, if you like, a T-shirt, the original motion picture soundtrack, and a poster. You had two options. It was going to be signed for $100 or signed with a personal message for $200. But now they have given a option to buy either the Blu-ray or the DVD with the soundtrack included. And it's going to be 30 bucks for the DVD option and Blu-ray for the $50 option. And yeah. all the proceeds for the, the sales are going to go to uh, charity for the things that the uh, Sebastians have been doing. Yeah, and I think that's important to note. Because uh, I mean, everything right here in this pre-sale is going directly uh, to his parents, you know, um, to their charities. Which, which, because you know, because some people are complaining about, you know, number one, the price. Because um, the the Blu-ray alone, the standalone version of the Blu-ray with the soundtrack is fifty bucks. But um, we got to understand that they're like Trey's doing this all himself. And it's not going to – it's not being licensed to a company, to a distributor. I mean he's going to be doing this himself. Um, I think these are going to be DVDRs and BDRs, I think. Um, and and I'm, I'm not 100% sure on the soundtrack. This is, a, this is a way for him to basically give back to his parents uh, and their charities and, that, and, and to launch kind of excitement for Rocktober Blood 2. So that's all we know right now. I think as things change and get updated, if for some reason they get enough pre-sales and they're able to actually press, do a run of pressed Blu-rays, I'm sure they will if they get the option. But right now, since this is going to be, you know, pretty low quantity, if you understand the any sort of, you know, when you if you distribute distribute Blu-rays or anything like that, like that yourself, there's different cutoffs. So. You know, he would if he wanted to get a press Blu-ray, he would have to print I think at least maybe five hundred 
um, or a thousand, something like that. So, so we'll see what happens, and hopefully this paves a way to a possible distributor coming in and finding the original negatives. I think this is these are being remastered from a thirty-five millimeter print. Um, yes. And uh, so, you know, it's one of those things. It's kind of a work in progress. This will be the best you'll be ever be able to see Rocktober Blood. And I'm gonna drop fifty bucks on it. I, I'm, I'm. For me, it's gonna be a write-off because it's gonna go to a charity. So, uh, looking at it that way, um, and I'm exactly. excited to actually see this in a non-VHS quality, you know, Blu-ray. So, <laughs> anyway, I think people need to measure their expectations a little bit. I know, I know that when Brad posted this stuff on some forums or on some pages and on Facebook, people were quick to kind of write it off and you know, ask if it's a blue BDR and, and they're all concerned about that. And then the original elements, what elements are using and everything. Um, I think with a movie like this, you, everyone should be happy. It's at least getting some sort of release for now. And you know what, if this, if, if something happens and, and, uh, the original negatives are found and some deals is struck with the distributor, I'll, I'll pay for it again. Cause it'll look even better. So, um, the big draw for me, I think, is the soundtrack. So, because that hasn't been released. Oh yeah, at all. absolutely. So that thing you aren't able to find that at all either. So, um, anyway, just look look at it that way. You know, you're giving to giving to charity. So, and you're getting shit back. Exactly. And pretty soon, uh, they said on their website their expected shipment date is going to be April 25th. Okay. So get on that because you don't have to wait too long. Yeah. Yeah. If we find out it, what uh, type of Blu-rays and DVDs the, uh, these are, uh, we'll we'll post it on the site. We'll we'll keep updating that post as we get more information. But um, I think from what I conversations I had with with Brad and what he had heard, it was going to be BDRs. So um, so chill out, everybody. For me, as long as I have the movie, I'm fine. It's it's just a different method of burning the movie to a disc. So I still have like DVDRs from like. 2001 that were great so everyone chill oh well that's that's good to know that's good to know because i never <laughs> bought i never bought those i never i when i see something like that on amazon i just go no no thank you but that's good information to have yeah the ocd in me kind of when i see bdr i go ah but the more that i've looked into <laughs> it talked to people and and i think um uh art and art exploitation that company, Art Exploitation, their first, right. their first presses were BDRs. So I got one, one or two movies that were BDRs, and I don't care. I, I, they look just fine. There's no problems, and I'm not even going to worry about it. So, well, neither am I. All right. With that said, what else we got going? Did we did we cover everything for that? Yeah, we pretty much covered everything for that. Uh, I got a couple of more Blu-rays from 88 films that are coming out. One's called Seven Deaths in the Cat's Eye. This is a 1973 um, Jello-slash-horror film starring singer Jane Birkin. hope I said that right. And uh, the only information I have on that one, it's supposedly coming out in late third quarter or early fourth quarter of this year. And another one that they've got coming out is, get this, Alien 2 yeah. on Earth from 1980. <laughs> I have actually never heard about this movie until I saw it on my on my uh, Facebook feed, and um, yeah, so it, it's definitely one of those Italian cash in uh, pseudo sequels, unofficial sequels, if you will, just yeah. like how Lucio Fulci's zombie was to Dawn of the Dead. This got uh, the only thing that 
this got a domestic oh, go release a while ago, but it's oh, it's out of print. It was a company um, that put it out. A, a, a U.S. company put it out, and then I think the company folded or something happened. So these went out of print really like quick. So if you have a this is if you have a region, it's probably going to be a region B. I would imagine locked, but um, most likely. I'm I'm pumped to, I'm pumped to finally find this at a decent price. Cuz right now you can get it for like 80 bucks the domestic release but uh you know cuz it's out of print. Yeah. I hear it's bonkers. <laughs> well, um when I saw it on the Facebook page, I immediately went to YouTube and watched the uh the trailer for it online and <laughs> said, "Okay, I'm sold." So, I'm looking forward to this one. And um, let's see. Next up, we have Frank Henenlotter's 2013 documentary, That's Sexploitation. This is coming out April 26th, and Severn Films and Something Weird Video are getting together to put this out on Blu-ray. Mm. And there's a couple of extras. I mean, there's a commentary with Henenlotter and Lisa Petrucci from Something Weird Video. There's three and a half hours of rare loops and shorts from five decades of sexploitation history. And there's a trailer for the movie as well. So if you're into that kind of thing, keep your eyes out for that one. Well, next up, excuse me, um, I got an update from Screen Factory regarding their upcoming Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 Blu-ray. This one is going to be packed. Mm -hmm. So those of you that have that 2006 Gruesome Edition DVD, yeah, you can use those as coasters now because this one, this is the one to get. Now, um... I'm not going to go through all of these features because a lot of them are going to be ported over from the gruesome edition. So I'm just going to focus on what's new because uh, there's about five hours of new bonus content. But first of all, there's going to be a 2016 2K HD scan. There's a new commentary with the director of photography, Richard Kouris, production designer, Carrie White, script supervisor, Laura Kouris, and prop master, Michael Sullivan. And another new feature, uh, we got some extended outtakes from the featurette from the Gruesome Edition entitled It Runs in the Family. And it notes featuring Kit Carson and Lou Perryman, obviously because those two gentlemen are no longer with us, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's a new uh, behind-the-scenes footage compilation from Tom Savini's archives. And we've got new interviews with effects artists, uh, <laughs> this one made me laugh. This is an interview called the yuppie meat with the actors, Chris Duritus and Barry Kenyon, the two yuppies that get killed in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> so that's going to be fun. A new interview with editor. I hope I'm saying this right. Elaine Jakubowitz. New interview with stuntman and Leatherface performer, Bob Elmore. And a new episode of Horror's Hollowed Grounds featuring Sean Clark and a special guest. So coupled with that and the new artwork, I say I'm going to be putting a pre-order for that one. And last but not least, um, today Vinegar Syndrome announced that the pre-orders are up for their April lineup. So I'm probably the one that I think a lot of people are, are going to gravitate towards is Dolomite, mm-hmm. which is the classic black exploitation film from 1975. This one has a 2K transfer. It's going to be a region-free Blu-ray, which is good oh, fantastic. for those of you outside the states. Uh, two framing options: one, the one. Oh God, I'm sorry, I blanked on that. It's going to be in widescreen. 
but there's also going to be a full screen feature called the boom mic version. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. That's hilarious. Uh, a making up featurette called Idolamites. Lady Reed Uncut featurette. Locations Then and Now featurette. A historical commentary track by Rudy Ray Moore biographer Mark Jason Murray. A trailer. The trailer for the movie, of course. But there's also the human trailer. Excuse me. The human tornado trailer. I can't talk this evening. <laughs> it, it, it happens to me every week. <laughs> <laughs> Let me backtrack that a little bit. You, you get a trailer for Dolomite, but you also get a trailer for the human tornado. Okay. okay. Clear that up. Awesome. You get the original cover art by Jay Shaw, and it's going to have a reversible cover art and English subtitles. And uh, the other movies that they're going to be in the package, as we all know, Vinegar Syndrome, they're a little bit naughty, <laughs> such as uh, tra- <laughs> such as Trashy Lady starring Ginger Lynn. There's a bunch of features on that. Um, this one is interesting. The Storefront Theater Collection Volume 1. This is a DVD. It's not a Blu-ray. But um, this is going to be a collection which celebrates both the strange and often homegrown productions that played in many theaters of the 70s. The special three-disc set is uniquely packaged in 100% recycled cardstock and features a heavy-duty slipcase. Now, these are all um, low-budget, 16-millimeter mom-and-pop productions that played in uh, these small mini-theaters called storefront theaters. They're basically converted retail space. They just took everything out, bolted some chairs in get a couple of projectors and there's your theater so there's a total of 12 films and two bonus shorts wow wow so um yeah and all of this is uh coming out in late april very cool so that's all so that's all the news i have for this week sean (laughs) all right josh thank you very much for the update not a problem and hopefully we'll see you guys again next week Hell yes. All right, we are going to jump in to Austin, Texas, and talk to Brad right after this. And reporting live from Austin is Brad Henderson on a shitty cell phone. I wonder, like, you do that chopper noise that Joel Egerton does in the gifts. <laughs> That's like my favorite part of the movie. I don't, I don't the, know. Why you that noise. The, like that? Was that it? Yeah, that wasn't very good, though. I know. I didn't really have any time to prep. Oh, uh, you should try next time. So, uh, so after last week's epic episode, it was like a three-parter with three different pieces. Uh, we're we're going to do, you know, we're basically going to be talking Brad's experience at South by Southwest so far. And what we're going to try to do is he's done on Friday, and we're going to try to record a quick episode at some point to get another follow-up with the second half of South by Southwest uh, recap from Brad as well. So we'll have two shows focusing on South by Southwest. Uh, I'm hoping one of these years I can make it out to South by Southwest. Uh, Well, I mentioned it to my wife, and I was like, you know, I probably can get in with a press pass or something because of the show, but... I would have to take like a week vacation off, and uh, she was like, "Yeah, she doesn't like the idea of me taking a week off by myself." 
No, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, it's, it's we got trip. some we got some political stuff to work out on the home front with that. But Brad doesn't have the baggage that I do. So Brad, what's up, man? South by Southwest, how's it going so far? Uh, it is awesome. Um, I mean, I I come to uh, South by Southwest and Fantastic Fest. Um, well, South by South last year was my first year for uh, South by. And I kind of promised myself I would never miss another one because I missed out on it for so long. Um, you know, I kept on saying, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. Um, and finally I pulled the trigger last year and it was, it's, it's just awesome. Just an awesome experience. Awesome people. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot different from fantastic fest, of course, uh, mainly because of the movies, uh, you know, they play, but, um, you know, it's just a very laid back, uh, atmosphere. Uh, it can get a little hectic at times, depending on the venues that you're going, because Fantastic Fest, there's one, uh, sometimes two venues, uh, bigger venues at the Paramount that seats like, I think it's like 1,300 people, um, you know, for bigger films there. But for the most part, Fantastic Fest just stays at South Lamar, the Alamo Draft House. South by, there's like plucking eight theaters that are playing movies all the time. So, it's kind of tougher to get from one movie to the other. I mostly just get draft out. Everything mostly will play unless it's like a big premiere. So, but all in all, man, it's just a great experience. It's a great festival. Um, you meet new people every day. Yeah, it's awesome. Cool. Yeah, I would, I would definitely like to go. And, um, so there's been some, what movies have been premiering? I know that, uh, Teen, is it what, what was that? Uh, the Travis Stevens uh, produced film. Um, oh, Teenage Cocktail. Uh, Teenage Cocktail. Yeah, there's a lot of U.S. premieres here. There's uh, uh, you know some world premieres. Um, you know, like Hardcore Henry had its U.S. premiere last night. Um, you know, played over at, at TIFF. Um, you know, earlier uh, earlier was it? When is TIFF? When is TIFF? I don't even remember. Anyways. <laughs> um, you know, it played at Toronto, um, but we actually got to see a cut that had more violence and more lore. Um, so that was uh, that was an experience. But um, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you answered it. So do do you want to go? Oh, yeah, the, do you want to do you want to yeah. go through the films you've seen? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'll I'll do a kind of a rundown of uh, of everything that I've seen because I can speak on behalf of everything. Okay, cool. Um, because, you know, a lot of these films, like the bigger films, are going to get released. They already have distribution. And there's some, um, I mean, there's films, like, that I saw last year that are just now getting released on yeah. VOD. So, you know, it's one of those things that you got to constantly remind people. Like, uh, one of my favorite films of the last year was Lamp. And that just hit VOD uh, recently. It's a, it's a drama with Ross Partridge, who wrote and directed the film. Um he befriends a, a, a little girl that's going through some hard times. And it's just a really like very odd uh, story, but I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful film, but that just now, um, you know, got us distribution. I mean, we talked about, he never died mm-hmm. uh, a couple of weeks ago that I saw that at South by uh, Southwest last year. So, um, but for right now, um, the very first film I saw was a documentary called the slippers. It is a uh, a, docu- a doc about um, the notorious. I'm saying notorious because it's a negative connotation, but um, the infamous 
Is that negative too? <laughs> Not necessarily. Uh, well, anyways, it's about the fucking ruby slippers that Dorothy wears. Um, kind of the story behind that of the one pair that's stolen, kind of the pair that's in the Smithsonian, kind of where all those pairs come from. Um, but it's just, it's literally, you can look up a Wikipedia page and get all the information. There's not really anything special to the doc that I thought. It's just, you know, kind of, kind of basic and just, just kind of there, uh, r- more or less relatively boring hmm. uh, for the most part. Well, I was a little, uh, I was expecting a, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit more from that. A little bit more comprehensive. Um, what was the name of it? The just, it's called the slippers. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I mean, you get to meet the meet the unique individuals that have purchased these slippers anywhere between fifteen thousand dollars and like two million dollars. So I mean, that's a little interesting in itself. But like I said, it's nothing much that you can just pick up, you know, Wikipedia page and learn about the you know the the slippers that have existed since you know nineteen what thirty eight or something like that. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's interesting to see the individuals. A lot of them are still alive that have you know bought the slippers and then sold them. Um, kind of like the only interesting thing I would say about the doc that I truly found interesting was kind of how the people want the slippers and then they're so quick to get rid of them because of what comes with them. You know, kind of, uh, you know, everybody hassling you to want to see them or bring them to an expo or a convention or a museum. Um, so there's a lot actually going on. You just don't buy the slippers and have huh. them in your house. You have to, you know, deny and take phone calls. It's like it's a job. Do you, you know? so like, it's, uh, if you would buy something like that, do you have to register or do people, do people just track everyone down? Like when you buy something like that, are you registered as owning, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure because everybody that owns slippers, um, ever since like, because th- this is kind of what, now it's going to sound interesting. I'm going to talk people into it. <laughs> well, anyways, what happened is that, you know, the slippers were put in um, storage basically after the film, because in the, after the thirties and the forties and fifties, all this, all the props and everything were put on the Warner brothers backlot. Uh, no one, no one, or MGM, sorry, MGM backlot. No one cared. They just stored all the furniture, all the costumes into these, you know, big warehouses and just this backlot they had. So, Whenever the studio was bought out, they liquidated everything. They just threw everything in the trash. Well, there was this one guy, I forget his name now, um, who went through and basically took all these dresses, all these all these props, and he sold them because he, he felt bad because he loved movies. He thought those things were magical, and he didn't want to see them just be thrown away. So in a way, this guy kind of kick-started the you know, collective memorabilia of, you know, Hollywood. So, but his main goal was to find these ruby slippers. Um, and he has this, like, big extravagant story of how he found them. Um, but he found, he found a pair, and it sold for, like, you know, $15,000, like, in, you know, the 50s or something like that, or 60s, 70s, I forget what year it was. Um, but he found out he lied, and he actually had multiple pairs, because, of course, there was, you know, the test pair, the, you know, uh, you know, and mul- anything that you had, you had multiple pairs of something just because of something goes wrong. 
Um, so just kind of the, that's where it goes into the story is they find out that there's, you know, at least four pairs that are in, you know, in, in and around the world. Um, hmm. but anyways, you know, about how the Smithsonian got a pair, uh, this lady who was, you know, she obtained a pair in the fifties and she had it. And then she heard about the pair selling for so much. And she was like, wait a second. I thought I had the only pair. And then it sparks other, you know, other collectors and other people that had, uh, had these shoes. So, but like I said, I mean, it's, 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 it's not a bad documentary. It's just relatively boring. It's probably one of those that you would find on like Netflix at some point and you'd just sit down. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's a rainy afternoon Tuesday at one o'clock. Yeah. Doing laundry. Get that or something. I call that a laundry um, doc. Laundry I do yeah, laundry, I'll watch crap like that. So, um, the next up, because I'm just going to go in order how I saw these things. Yeah, man. Uh, next up, this is one of my more anticipated films. Um, just because uh, Tim League, the owner of the Alamo Draft House, he executive produced it. Ant Tipson, who you know produced Tur- Turbo Kid, he produced ABC's of Death, um, and then Elijah Wood and his company, Spectrovision, uh, produced this film. It's called The Greasy Strangler. Just the title alone piqued my interest because <laughs> it's hot. Um, this is by far, I watch a lot of movies. I've seen a lot of weird shit. This is by far one of the weirdest movies I've seen. Um, but it's weird in a comedic aspect. Mm-hmm. Not like a drama or sci-fi or horror. It's um, it's as if Tim and Eric, uh, you know, do awesome show, great job. And Tom goes to the mayor. If Tim and Eric made a rated R Napoleon dynamite esque movie, that's what the greasy strangler would be. But that's not even remotely <laughs> close to explaining what this film is. It, this movie is almost like a social experiment to see if you can sit through it. It, feels like this movie was made in order to piss off the audience to see if we can get you to get out of your seat and leave. That's how I felt during uh, Tim and Eric's movie that they made. <laughs> this, this is like something that you watch and then you show it to friends to see if they're friends with you after you watch it. <laughs> um, I loved it. I, 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 you know, it's one of those films that I want to see again and again. And it's, I can't wait to show this to people just so I can just stare at their face <laughs> the entire time. Um, you know, it, to sum up the movie, it's about this father and son who do these disco tours, taking these people to old buildings where they're like, hey, remember the Bee Gees? Well, they wrote this song at this building, or Casey and the Sunshine Band. They, you know, they practice here. It's just really stupid shit. But um, the, the, the son meets a girl, and then the father gets really upset because he feels that the girl's going to hurt him. Um, and, you know, uh, in a way, emotionally. So that doesn't even come close to what you're fucking seeing. I mean, when it says the Greasy Strangler, um, you literally have a guy covered in head to toe with fucking thick grease that's strangling people, making their eyeballs pop out. <laughs> you know, you have this this father who every time they fix, uh, fix um, you know, food, he needs it ultra greasy. Like, you know, it's not greasy enough. It's, 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 it's not greasy. I need more <laughs> greasy. You know, and it's just, it's just 
so fucking weird, man. It's like it's so hard to explain like what this movie is and what it does. Um, but yeah, man, it's 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 picked up. Draft House Films is releasing it, so you'll be able to see it uh, probably soon. But I can't wait until this thing comes out because it's either going to completely be lost into oblivion and no one's going to care about it, or it's going to become one of those kind of cult classics to where it's, uh, you know, it's uh, very much also like an Adam Rifkin uh, movie in, in, in such a way. Like, uh, Adam Rifkin directed one of my favorite movies of all time called Dark Backward, where it's uh, these uh, two uh, garbage guys who just, you know, they're garbage men. And one is Marty. He is played by Judd Nelson, and his partner is, um, oh, shit. I almost said Bill Pullman. No, it's the guy that plays uh, fucking hit uh, Hudson in fucking Aliens. He directed Bill Frailty. Paxton. Bill Paxton. Uh, Bill Paxton is is uh, is you know his his uh, his friend, and Marty wants to be a uh, comedian, and he's really awful at jokes, but he grows a third arm out of the middle of his back, and once he does that, people find him funny. Um, it's a really fucking weird movie, but it's along the lines of that to speak so like gross and slimy and weird that it also kind of has this weird charm to it. Like you just can't look away. Um, it's definitely not for everybody, not a dark backward or the grease strangler at that matter. Um, and it's just, I can't wait to see what people do. <laughs> I really can't. So, um, and it's not, doesn't have really any big stars, but I mean, like I said, if you like, Tim and Eric, awesome show. If you like, uh, you know, Adam Rifkin movies, if you like uh, kind of the weird sleazy side of John Waters, um, you know, you, you'll really enjoy this movie. That's all, if you like weird shit, you'll, you'll love it. But if you are kind of like, oh, no, definitely not for you. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, I'm interested. I just, you know, just my, based off my reaction to Tim and Eric, uh, is it, was it Tim and Eric make a movie? It's just, it's just not, yeah. it's just not my. Tim and know. Eric's movies suck. I, I will admit. Okay. I love Tim and It's not my sense of humor, apparently. It's very much like that sense of humor where it doesn't make, it serves no pragmatic purpose whatsoever. It's just, it's almost like just a running of skits. Gotcha. And just see how far, how far and how long they can do something. It's one of those things where in, in, in sometimes in acting and in, 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 in teaching and acting in class with, with comedy, repetitiveness is sometimes funny if you just keep going so long that it becomes fun. Right. And that's kind of what this movie does. Like, for example, there's a sequence where they say room tootie disco cutie probably for two minutes. Oh, God. And they're dancing. Um, <laughs> there's just, there, one of my favorite things is that every time they call someone out on a lie, the father and son say bullshit artist. <laughs> and there's this sequence where they're in their room and they just keep saying to each other, bullshit artist. And it goes on for fucking ever. And you just can't help but fucking start cracking up. 
And um, I don't know, man. It's 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 a charming, weird movie. So right. I, I can't wait for people to see it. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So draft out films. I don't know when the release date of that is, but I I imagine it's relatively soon. Cool. Um, the next up was uh, a documentary called Aspergers Are Us. Mm. Um, uh, it's a it's not actually a documentary about um, Aspergers per se. It's about a group of guys that have Aspergers who um, actually have a comedy troupe that they've wow. had together for a long time, and it's about them on their final show because um, Aspergers affects them in everyday life in a way, but however, these guys are super intelligent. Mm -hmm. Uh, they know they have Asperger's. They, they embrace it. Um, and they all use comedy as a form of just making kind of just like the one guy, he says that he didn't know what to do. Like all his life he was made fun of. And then when he was diagnosed with, you know, Asperger's, he decided to use this kind of comedy as a way out as in order to communicate with people for, uh, to, to have that relationship on, you know, so-called normal, normal planes. And there's a fucking like motorcycle or truck in the air. This is what you get when you record in a fucking parking garage. He's once a representative a few times. Cause you know, <laughs> It, it basically sounds like a dragon fart over on this end. Uh, so, um, but it's not uh, exploitive at all. It doesn't go down the route of that. It's it's very sweet about these four guys who basically met at summer camp when they were little, and they all use comedy as a way to relate to people or you know just make people laugh because you know they wanted to beat it. You know, they didn't want to be those guys that, you know, had Asperger's that, you know, people just sat back and made fun of. They, they went up and they almost made fun of themselves in such a way. And also, uh, after their, I think they realized that comedy, like true comedy was a way rather than making fun of kind of Asperger's or each other. Um, but it's not exploitive in any way that, which I really enjoy. And it's just very heartfelt and sentimental. It's a, it's a very nice documentary, and um, you know it's 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 nice to see people that are met like almost with this wall that you know with society, and they're able to jump over the wall and accomplish such great things because these guys just didn't accomplish with something with his comedy troupe. Like the one guy went to fucking Oxford, like for chemical engineering or some shit. Like, and they're all very successful. Um, you know, so it, it's almost like this, this, uh, outlet for comedy was, was a way for them to even expand and, and, and become even more sociable and, and just, uh, you know, better themselves in such a way to, to jump over this, uh, obstacle of Asperger's because sometimes it can be really, you know, there's all different types of forms. You know, that's one thing they didn't go into. There's all types of forms of Asperger's. Some people are, you know, extremely affected by it. Other ones are just, you know, just a little bit, you know, might have, you know, some some sort of disability or, you know, uh, something something along that nature. I have a, a couple of friends that have Asperger's, and some of them uh, are 
socially awkward, some of them aren't. They just mm-hmm. might have a learning disability. Mm-hmm. But all depends. Uh, you know, these guys don't, you know, they have jobs, they have day-to-day life, you know, things that they do. They go to college and everything like that. So that's really nice to see. But like I said, it's mostly about their comedy troupe and uh, and about what they're doing now. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, next up was the Travis Steven produced uh, Teenage Cocktail. Holy fucking shit. I love this movie. It's so fucking good. It's, uh, it's about two girls uh, that kind of fall in love with one another, and they want to get out of Dodge. So one of them has this webcam that she's set up, and they start webcamming. And these girls are teenagers. They're like 16 years old. So they start webcamming and, you know, Dan teases, and then they start making money. And they want to get out. And however, they stumble across uh, Mr. Old Sleazy Pat Healy. <laughs> and um, that's where shit goes sour. And it gets really kind of fucked up. It's a really, really good movie. It's, uh, you know, kind of a sweet little coming-of-age story about girls. And then it kind of dives down into this suspenseful thriller. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really, really good movie. Everybody's perfect. It's almost flawless. I say almost because they did cast like 27-year-old girls as 16-year-olds, <laughs> um, which is a little weird. Which you know, here's the thing: is, is one thing I did respect about the movie, but also I think it's the fault is that with me personally, if the girl is 16 in the movie and she's 27 and she gets naked, it's still weird. Right, right, right. Because you know, you're you're looking at what's supposed to be sixteen year old girls. Coffee, <laughs> and they never went in that direction of being weird and taking off clothes, even though they're sixteen. So, in a way, if they're going to go that route, they should have really cast fifteen and sixteen year old girls. Right. Because that way, it would have been a little bit more real. Because every time you're watching it, you're like, oh, you have to keep reminding yourself, all oh, these girls are you know teenagers. That's right. They're sixteen years old. But, you know, this is, the, you know, girl, one of the girls from Starry Eyes and, you oh, know, okay. South Bend. Yeah. But other other than that, I mean, that's my only complaint with the film. But I think, you know, it's a very solid script. Best chemistry with these two girls. So fucking good. Pat Healy is such a dirtbag when he wants to be. Um, <laughs> truly, you know, I, I personally love this movie and it's definitely one of my favorites. Of uh, of the festival, and who's the director? John uh, Carcietta. Yeah, I think it's a first timer. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, just another Travis Stephen produced movie that is fucking great. I mean, he, the guy's on a roll. He really he knows how to knows. bring in the right people, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, like he said on the previous, he's been on a couple shows, is that he wants to make movies with friends. You know, there's like a there's like a trust thing there. He's making movies with friends, so I think, you know, it's a lot. It feels like a family. I think that's why the chemistry is so good on these films, is because everybody's comfortable. You know, they're not talking with a major studio or a producer that comes and goes or makes calls and makes sure everything's going okay. Travis Stevens is always there, a hundred percent during filming, mm-hmm. whether it's getting donuts or you know, helping spray blood on somebody. Yeah, uh, so I think that's why his movies, uh, everything he touches, is gold in a way because he just he can bring those people together as a family. And I, I, he's definitely one person that 
you know, no matter what the film is, I'm going to watch it 100 percent because because of that reason. Yeah, agreed. Um, next up, uh, this comes out Friday. Um, it's uh, uh, Jeff Nichols' new movie called Midnight Special. It's an original sci-fi story. Um, the soundtrack's out really now. It came out on Friday. Huh? The soundtrack dropped on uh, Friday. I saw that when I was browsing through my really Very, very synthy and 80s, 80s style. Um, Jeff Nichols did a movie called Take Shelter. Uh, he did a movie called Shotgun Stories. Did a movie called Mud. Mud's one of my favorite. Mm. It's one of my favorite movies of, uh, of that year. I guess it was 2014 or 13 it came out. Um, this, it's kind of hard to speak about the film without giving too much away. It's about a um, a father who is trying to... Here's the thing, is you're dropped in the movie right away, and it feels like it's the sequel, because all this shit has already happened. Hmm. So, the exposition you're given little by little. So that's the reason why you can't really say anything too much about it, because you're learning as the movie's going. Um, and all this shit has kind of already happened with this, with this group of people. Uh, but it's about Michael Shannon's character. He's the father. He has a son who has some shit going on with him. And he knows the son is special, so he is on the run with his son in this movie. And he's protecting him from... And he doesn't know what. You know, there's... I mean, you find out in the movie, but I don't want to give any of that away. But um, it's a very unique story. Um, it's definitely something I want to watch again because when a movie starts and it feels like it's half over already, um, I don't think you're that quick to pick up on subtle hints. And I think there's right. a lot of hints of what's going on and kind of little, you know, foreshadowing here and there. So I definitely want to check it out. Um, it's not a bad movie. Uh, a lot of people are disappointed in it because they were expecting something better than mud. Um, personally, I didn't think it was great as my, I think it's Jeff Nichols' weakest movie, but I definitely want to give it, um, you know, a, a couple more tries because I, I think it is something special. Yeah, I don't understand why people go in with the, with high expectations like that. I try to curb all my expectations. Yeah, yeah I, I guess mean, I've, it's taken me a while to learn how to do that, I guess, but. Well, I, I, I saw, um, you know, I heard about the film, but. When I first got into Austin, I had a lot of time to kill, so I went with uh, some friends to go see Deadpool, um, which I'm going to talk about in a second anyway. Um, <laughs> and the trailer for Midnight Special was there. And yeah. I wanted to see Midnight Special, but that trailer, I was like, fuck yeah, clear my fucking schedule. I'm going to go see Midnight Special. Uh, so um, I actually didn't have any really expectations of the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't look at a director. I mean, I anticipate the director's next movie, but I don't ever think it's going to be better. I just want to see a fucking good movie. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't expect it to ever be better and better and better and better. I guess it's not going to happen. It's unrealistic. Right. Um, cool, so man. I'm, I'm a dead I, movie. Like, what? No, no. I was going to say it's it, Midnight Special. Sounds like one of those like. There's been movies like that that I've watched, and like the second and third viewings have been progressively better. Yeah, sometimes that can happen, um, but this is it, it's definitely one of those movies, mm, and I think okay. that's kind of what everybody general consensus too is that they want to um they want to see it again okay they feel they didn't absorb everything 
because everything's kind of thrown at you one one second after the other, and a lot of it sticks and some of it doesn't. Cool. Okay. So everybody, go fucking go see Deadpool because I fucking I know that a lot of people have, but I don't really care for comic book movies all that much. And this fucking movie is great. Like it's really fucking funny. It's really raunchy. Um, it's got a little sentimental side to it. Ryan Reynolds is great. Fucking go see it. I imagine a lot of people already have because I haven't yet. I just wish I would just wish Deadpool came out last year, so that way we would probably get a R-rated Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> I know, huh? <laughs> that, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that we couldn't get an R-rated Suicide Squad movie because I'm sure David Ayers has a hardcore version of Suicide Squad set aside. Probably. So, it's da- it's I'm David Ayers, and I'm sure he does. So, um, Next up was uh, my first Midnighter. Uh, the first first uh, night I saw uh, the Midnight Shorts. I'm not going to talk about short films. So, because um, chances are you're going to never see them. Um, <laughs> this was the untitled Fetty Alvarez Ghost House Thriller. Didn't have a title, uh, but now it does. It's called Don't Breathe, which I think is fucking stupid. <laughs> uh, so anyways, uh, Fetty Alvarez, he did the Evil Dead remake. So okay. I think it's pretty much, um, you know, he, he did this movie as Sam Raimi producing and everything like that. Um, it, has, it has Stephen Lang in it. He's uh, kind of the, um, you know, that's the thing is there's not much about the film. It comes out August, so it's going to be a while. Um, it's basically these three kids that break into this house because they find out that this blind guy uh, had a settlement because his daughter was struck by a car and killed. Um, so he has this little nice little nest egg in his house. So these kids decide to go uh, rob a blind guy. However, he is ex-military and fucking crazy. Stephen Lang, um, man. <laughs> yeah, so Stephen Lang is great. I mean, he's, he's he's a great actor. He's extremely intimidating. So that works for the movie. Um, I was uh, I wasn't that on board with it because I just I felt it was a little slow. However, it's very well made. Um, it's an obvious uh, homage to um, uh, people under the stairs. It's almost every little bit. It's a little borrowing from people under the stairs. Almost every sequence is borrowing from people under the stairs. <laughs> um, but anyways, it's it's not it's not a bad movie. It's just a lot of people love it. A lot of people love it, and um, I just wasn't one of them. I just enjoyed it. Um, but anyways, we'll mention it again because people are going to fucking forget because it doesn't come out until August. So, um, And it's called Don't Breathe, but I don't know if they're going to stick with that title. I originally heard it was going to be called The Man of the Dark, which is a lot better, uh, I think. But anyways, um, next up. Oh, Asperger's R.S., I forgot to mention, is executive produced by the uh, Duplass Brothers. Oh, okay. So that was uh, that was something that attaches to the next movie I saw was executive Bruce from the Duplass Brothers, which is called Rainbow Time, which is actually probably one of my favorites of the festival. Uh, no horror films have made my top five list of the festival so far. It's all comedies wow. for some weird reason. Uh, Rainbow Time is fucking great. It is about uh, two brothers. 
one brother is, uh, you know, seeing a girl, he's got his life together, everything like that. The other brother at birth was strangled in, um, in the womb by an umbilical cord. So he, you know, lost hair to his brain. Um, he has some developmental issues. He's special in a way, that's Mm -hmm. what they said, you know, so he lives at home with his dad and, um, he's, uh, kind of interfering with this, uh, you know, he's, he's a comedy. He's like super corny all the time. He, <laughs> you know, he kind of gets into the relationship to these, you know, really thinks his brother's girlfriend's really hot and wants to see her naked and, you know, wants to touch her and, and stuff like that. And it's just, it's, it's, you know, kind of, it's really uh, risque at times. Uh, you know, it's a little dirty, but all in all, it's a very fun, heartfelt family movie. It don't go to see it with the family. Um, but it's just... Grown-up family really movie. Feel-good. Yeah, it's a grown-up family movie. It's just a really feel-good. Like, while watching it, you're laughing and you know, the, the obstacles they hit, you just, you know, you can kind of relate to it just because it's so... You know, it's the Duplass Brothers. It's all mumble for, you know? These films, nothing crazy happens. It's, it's just, all those films are very relatable of everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, and just watching these people deal with it, it's a lot of fun. It's very sweet. Man, it's really fucking funny. And, um, you know, the whole goal of the kid is to have, you know, he's a kid, he's like 40 years old. He wants to, you know, be a director. So he wants to make these like little mini movies of, you know, uh, and he casts his family in it, but he always wants to like be the hero and make out with the girl. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know, he just he just he has some issues, and, and the issues are relatively funny. I think people might be a little offended at certain things, but eh, whatever, don't be offended by everything. So uh, that, that I don't know anything about the release of that one. Um, I hope that it get, does get uh, at least a wider release. Um, you know, it'll definitely probably be on Netflix. Um, next up is uh, a film called The Master Cleanse. It is about a uh, kind of a infomercial that makes people go to this website, sign up for this retreat, where they promise to get rid of all the negativity and bad toxins in your body. Um, these people are supposed to drink these four drinks. When they do, they um, they get rid, they eliminate the negativity and shit in their body. And it forms a monster. And they're supposed to take care of this monster. It's a very, very weird movie. I wasn't 100% on board with it, but the practical effects of the monsters is fucking great. Um, it's not a horror film. It's a kind of a drama comedy type thing. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's just, it's just it, that's pretty much the plot. And it's just basically this this guy and a girl who don't know each other, their relationships blossom as their monsters kind of get along. And um, once their relationship to blossom and try to uh, overcome the obstacles uh, of this, re- the retreats giving them as, you know, getting rid of the negativity and everything like that. It's a very odd movie. I wasn't like I said, wasn't on board with it hundred percent, but um I don't know when that's going to get released either, but that's pretty much all I can say about Doesn't that. Doesn't it star uh, one of the guys from uh, Big Bang Theory? 
Yeah, Johnny Galecki. Yeah, Johnny Galecki. And uh, Oliver Platt's in it, too. Oh, okay. Um, Next up was a film I really enjoyed. It's a a drama thriller. It's called American Fable. It is about a um, uh, setback in the 70s and 80s, uh, farmland. It's uh, about a family that owns a farm that's losing the farm. Um, and this little girl who's about 12 years old riding her bike one day and she comes across her parents' silo and she realizes that there's a man inside. She doesn't know why the man is inside, but she slowly figures out that he's being held ransom um, and it has to do with the farm. So she tries to take care of him while hiding it from her family um, who is involved in this kidnapping. Um and that's that's pretty much the plot, and it's just basically her dealing with it because she has she's very close to her family aside from her brother, and you know she friends this man who she doesn't trust. You know she she wants to help him, she doesn't trust him because he's a stranger, but she slowly develops this relationship with him, trusting him, while finding out that her family is involved in this shit. So it's it's you know all from the you know little girl's perspective which is, she's fucking mm. fabulous. She's so good. Uh, she can't be over probably 13. Um, great little actress. Uh, cinematography is great. It's it told as, it's called American Fable because it's tell, told in such a way of being kind of a fairy tale. There's this very fairy tale-esque element to it. Um, she sees certain things and everything like that, dream sequences, um, so yeah, it's 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 a decent movie. It's one of those that will get picked up probably by FC or something like that. Um, but definitely something to look out for if you enjoy those kind of. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty good thriller. It's towards the end. It's it's, it's, uh, it's decent. Cool. Um, next up is uh, a film called Hardcore Henry. Yeah. Which I'm sure everybody knows about. Uh, this started back in 2013 with a music video called Biting Elbows, Bad Motherfucker. And <laughs> it was basically this guy who was trapped in this um, office building who works his way downstairs fighting his first person. So uh, that got them a gig to direct a movie, which is now Hardcore Henry. Originally called Hardcore, but um, searching that on Google might not be the best idea. So... <laughs> Very true. Hardcore Henry is about a guy who is an experiment who lost his eye, uh, who lost his eyes, lost his arm, lost his leg, and it's all replaced by prosthetics, uh, military grade. And um, he is basically trying to get back to his girlfriend while killing everybody that he comes in contact with. Um, I was super excited about this movie because it looked action-packed and great. Um, and I was mouthing off to Sean about it's going to be the best action movie in the world. Oh the God. action is great, but damn, they had something special. And I feel, I don't want to say fucked up, but I feel that they just, they kind of messed up a little bit. They went so hardcore with this <laughs> They went so far with this movie. Like, this movie is incredibly hard to make. You know, a, uh, yeah, I'd imagine. 
it's a hundred percent first person, and it's pretty much all practical. And they didn't put a fucking story in the movie. It's just one hour and a half long action reel. It's like watching somebody play uh, play a video game. It's it's exactly like that, and it's just like one level to the next because there's no downtime. Like there's nothing. It's like he meets somebody. It's like, all right, you have to do this. Okay. Kill everybody. I meet you. What do I have to do now? Oh, you have to do all this. And hardcore Henry doesn't speak because he never had a voice modulator put in, put in him because he lost that. So he doesn't talk through the entire movie. And it's, he just shakes his head. Yes or no. And it's like, God damn it, dude. Like if you made him have a voice, and had him interact with people, you would have had characters. Right. Instead, you're literally watching a drone fight bad guys. And it was just really upsetting. And the action is fucking amazing. It's so good. Um, however, it's just, it's like, because you're not really invested in the character, you kind of do drift off, and, you know, you're like, oh, action sequence, that's really cool. What's going to happen next? I'm not invested in the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting to see what shit they blow up or what stuff they're going to do. So that was a little upsetting. The the um, one like movie from like the first person's perspective like this that was really amazing was uh, Enter the Void. Gaspar No. Yeah. Cuz that mean, was like was POV too, you know? Yeah, it was POV, but that's like the I mean, normally I don't like kind of first-person found footage-type films, but the way that Gaspar Noe did Enter the Void, it was like you were there. You were almost on a drug trip with the character, too. So you're kind of floating yeah. through and along with along for the ride, and and that's done, and there's a lot of downtime, but it's also visually like very interesting to watch. Um, so you, it, it, maybe if they would have uh, blended that kind of storytelling aspect in some downtime because it, it, it seems the trailer yeah. just, just looks like a friggin' violent, you know, call of duty, just watching like somebody play yeah. some, some okay. obnoxious douche, douchebag playing call of duty. <laughs> That's all it looked like to me. Yeah. It's kind of what it's like. Oh. Uh, and I'm kind of curious of how people will be receptive to it because I, I think there's going to be a ton of walkouts because I love found footage movies. I love shake camp. But dude, this might go be a little overboard. I hear the shake. I hear it's shaky as hell. He's doing a ton of tumbling. It's more like, <laughs> here, let's, put it, let's put it this way: it's more parkour Henry than hardcore. Oh snap! So touche. Um, but anyways, um, next up was today's list. Um, I've seen three movies today. Uh, one is uh, the Dwarvenaut. That is about a guy who has had three very successful Kickstarters on making props and dungeons and walls and kits for Dungeons and Dragons. What's it? What's um, this called so again? The Dwarvenaut. So he has a website called uh, Dwarven Forge, um, and he makes uh, some serious fucking landscapes and castles and cities and shit for Dungeons and Dragons. Like, he takes it to the next level. Um, so it's for people that just, you know, don't want to play on boards anymore that can play with shit that, you know, looks like water and, like, crazy fucking, you know, statues and shit like that. 
And it's basically just his story. Uh, he's on his third Kickstarter, and he's trying to make ends meet. And, you know, he, uh, I mean, you can easily just type in Kickstarter Dwarven Forge and see that he made it. Um, but it's basically his, you know, his, his story. Um, to me, it feels, uh, I enjoyed the doc for the most part, but it feels like there's a lot of acting involved. Like he's going a little over the top with things. And that's the one thing that kind of took me out of it. But other than that, it's, you know, anybody like Sons and Dragons, you'll probably like it and you probably know who it is. Um, uh, next up I'm was... I'm trying to... Dwarven Ot? Right? Dwarven Ot? Yeah. Dwarven okay. A-U-T. Okay, okay, okay. Jesus Christ. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to so, spell these out so I can put them on the website. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Dwarven Ot, okay. Next up was My Blind Brother, which is probably kind of my second or third favorite of the festival. Um, it is, uh, uh, Adam Scott, isn't it? Who I, you know, absolutely love because he's really fucking funny. Um, and then, um, it's got, uh, I think she's one of the cutest girls in the world. Jenny Slate is in it. Um, it's, uh, basically this brother who takes care of his blind brother. Um, in the sense of his blind brother likes to do marathons, likes to be very active. So he's kind of his handler. You know, he helps him do his runs and stuff like that, guides him. Um, so he's always kind of in his brother's shadow. And he meets this girl one night and, uh, you know, they get drunk and they fool around. And she's kind of going through some hard times. And she goes, you know, this is a mistake. I just need to help people. Um, I can't do this right now. Bye. And so what does she do? She signs up for this thing to help the blind, and then she meets the brother and kind of falls for him a little bit, the blind brother, while the other brother is like, what the fuck? <laughs> and so it's basically, you know, it's a comedy, and all these people have fucked up lives, uh, you know, and it's just them dealing with it. It's very, very cute, very funny. Um, Jenny Slate is always perfect if you haven't seen um obvious child you're missing out um but anyways uh yeah she's so fucking adorable and adam scott it's just he's fucking like he is comedy he's so good adam scott is perfect like in every movie he's in he's perfect because he makes me fucking laugh hysterically oh jenny slate was she um, was she in um was she in parks and rec for a bit too yeah, I think she plays the. She plays this like the sister of the the obnoxious friend. Yeah, I, I don't want Parks and Rec, but I know she's in it though. Oh, she's hilarious. She's obnoxious, but she's she's God, damn hilarious in that. Cute. And she shows her body a little bit in this, and she is so adorable. Oh damn! Man. I had boner checks all the way in. Um, <laughs> um, and the last movie that I've seen, other than the movie I'm going to see tonight, um, last movie I just got out of was called War on Everyone. I don't know. I don't know about this movie. It's very weird. It's a British uh, cop action buddy movie. Cop, buddy cop. Buddy cop action movie. Um, it's super over the top. It's very unrealistic because these cops are fucking assholes. I mean, a lot of cops are assholes, I guess, if that's the case. <laughs> a lot of people don't like cops. But there is kind of a social commentary on the movie with cops and stuff like that, which I found funny. But it's Michael Pena, Michael Pena from Ant-Man, that guy. Pena? Michael Um, Pena? 
Yeah, and Alexander Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Uh, they're cops. They just fuck everybody up. And <laughs> they get in a situation where they find out they can make money illegally, and they go for it. And they just fuck everybody up. And they're assholes, and they fuck everybody up. It sounds great. Um, it's a really odd ball movie because you don't know how to read it because it gets really serious at times. <laughs> but there's just this really weird com- com- comedic aspect to it. Oh, uh, you know, this director did... Uh, he, he did The Guard, and he did Calvary. Uh, Calvary. Yeah, like, it's it's very, like, the comedy is kind of like The Guard in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a, it's an oddball movie. I, I think people will dig it. Um, because I, I did, it just took, it's just it very jarring because I didn't know how to read it at first because I'm like, am I supposed to like these guys? Cause I really <laughs> don't because they're really bad. They're awful people. Right. But there's this very sentimental side to them as well, but they're assholes while doing it. And they're like best friends, and they trust one another. But they're big assholes. Like <laughs> it's, it's so fucked up. Like, um, but anyways, it ends up being you know, it's not really much of an action movie per se. It's just you know, meeting here and there and just being assholes. Okay. So it's an asshole buddy comedy. Nice. Top, top buddy. I'm looking buddy forward comedy. to this one then. Yeah, so it, it's a lot of fun. But I got a lot of movies to go through, man. I got, like, probably 20 more to watch. Damn. Um, are, are you, is so, is Keanu on the list or not? No, absolutely not. Not, okay. Damn you. No, that played, that played, uh, the, uh, last night or the night before, night before last. Um, no, nah, that kind of stuff doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> that comes out in April anyway. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, for him too, but I have no desire to see Keanu. Alright. Alright. Agree yeah. to disagree. But uh, I will uh, be back with more because there's a lot of fucking horror films that I have to see. Awesome. Uh, as well. I've been got to see I've only seen like uh, I've only seen one to be honest with you. That's crazy because, man. I'm surprised uh, but, but that's what I like about South by Southwest whereas Fantastic Fest I guess Hearing everyone talk about it is that's more weird, crazy genre stuff. Whereas South by Southwest, yeah, yeah, there's a lot more. I mean, they they do split it up, and it's an all genre festival. But I mean, for the most part, you're going to get weird or horror, yeah, um, or action, weird action movies. Cool. Um, But yeah, Mark Wednesday is my all like all five movies that I'm seeing are horror films. So that should be exciting. Nice. Um, so that's where I'm going to catch up. You know, we I, before we were talking about the show, I wasn't going to do a What's Under Doorstep, but I forgot to mention um, Tex Montana Will Survive is out for everyone now. It's, uh, yes. it's up on YouTube. They're going to be putting it on Vudu and a bunch of other options, but I watched that. Oh, dude, it's, it's so funny. It, it is fantastic. Um, it yeah. is hilarious. There's so much to quote in this movie and um I was laughing so much watching this at just the things that were said and uh it's like Jeremy Gardner like carries this film. You know? I mean it's Oh yes well I know it's just him and that's what I was curious about was like will can he he himself carry a feature length film? It's a hard thing to do. 
with anyone. But I think the way that they yeah. did it, the way that he has built this character, it's there's so many little subtle reveals throughout the film, and uh, but it's free and everyone go watch it. It's it's a really funny, and uh, and 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 that's the thing. I was I was pleasantly surprised with that there were things to you know just get a gut laugh out of me for sure. So I don't want to spoil oh, geez, anything. Uh, go into a blind. Oh no! Um, yeah, I, I think that's the best way is because there are so many little things. Oh man, that have I, me I, laughing. I can't wait to watch it again, and and that's the beautiful thing. Like you, you know, those of you who who contributed to the Kickstarter. I mean, this movie is everyone's able to see it because of you, and I think that's a really cool feeling. I feel really good about yeah. that. And and now yeah, that I now I can cool. send people to this. Hey, it's free. It's not going to cost you anything. Check this movie out, and uh, uh, it just uh, I don't know. It's it's really great, sir. We'll put the sh- we'll put the link in the uh, the show notes for the YouTube version of it. And uh, but check it out and tell everyone about it for sure because these guys are what they're able to do with this little itty bitty budget with something special, man. It's it's really funny. So. Yeah, I'm like outside, like gonna get my ticket now. Okay, so you're so getting the full South by Southwest. Nice. Experience. So that, that's all I got. Um, so we're gonna do a couple of these little episodes here. Uh, as, as soon as Brad's able to talk to wrap up South by, we'll record again and we'll release it, and then we'll be back with a full show um, after that. And then uh, I'm gonna be going to Hawaii, everybody. So. Dang. There may or may not so be a high. We're gonna try to work. You know, well, you you won't even tell that I'm gone. But um, just it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. We got some we got some good stuff lined up for you. Um, we're working on a whole bunch of other interviews and guests and everything too. So, um, that one. Oh, Brad's my getting father, his ticket my right father now. died. That's it. Wow. Hey, I'm getting a ticket. This is this is this, the, is, this is something. It's the real deal. Brad and his element. Apparently, there's only five tickets given out, so I don't know what to expect now. Nice. Starts in uh, 40 minutes, and I only grabbed the first. It's not number five. It's not a good sign at all. Hmm. But, anyways, yeah, I just got my ticket. Good there's stuff. the full effect. It's super easy. Just walk up and you scan your badge, and you get a ticket, and you stand around, and you wait, um, wait for Good them time. to call you. So, hey, um, it's uh, I suggest everybody do it. I mean, it's tough. I mean, tickets are badges are expensive. They're about seven hundred and fifty dollars for a film badge. Um, but I mean, if you can afford it, and you know, you got to take into consideration, you got a place to stay, you have to do that, you have food, so it can be relatively expensive, but. If you have the money and you're able to take the time off from work and, you know, you can do it comfortably um, and you like movies, it's one hell of a festival, man. It's so fucking good. So um, definitely people need to look into it. Cool. One of these years I'll get out there. I can always say that every year. I'm always like, so one of these days I'll get out there. But. Dude, just do it for Fantastic Fest. It's so easy for Fantastic Fest. Yeah. Yeah, and you would do just do just do the first half, Sean. Just do the first half. I know you can know. do like the first half badge, and it's a lot cheaper. Cool. And you can do like you know Thursday to Sunday. Yeah. You're yeah. gonna miss a lot of shit. I, I can't really recommend it. Or there we go. 
on motorcycles. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's I, I that's another one. I start saving up people. Yeah. Come out here with me. I, I got a three year old that has to get uh, a little older because uh, when he's bring him, he you have no running up and down the aisle. He drives I mean, us. Get kicked out. Insane. But. And the, the thought of my wife being alone, like the only parent with three children. And one of them being this three-year-old cute terror named Noah. It's almost a little bit too much for her to think about right now. So, you know, one of these years we'll get up, yeah. we'll get up there. Um, cool, man. Well, um, everyone, as always, please check out our sponsors. Go to thescreamcast.com slash sponsor, sponsors. Um, of course, coffee, coffee Shop of Horrors. Oh, we need to do um, a core box. Oh, yeah. Well, we, huh? Well, we're going to be setting something up with them. Because we... We will add, well, we'll no, be adding we them. actually have a giveaway. We have a giveaway. We have a giveaway. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, before I leave for Hawaii, the show before that, we will do a drawing. So next show... Yeah, uh, the code has to be used in March. Oh, it does. Oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah, so let's make um, a question or something. Let's do well, something for somebody. Well, we can... Uh, Put me on the spot, man. You're pumped too. Put me on. Huh? You're putting me on the spot. Yeah, impromptu. That's how we do things here. This Jesus thing, Christ. Okay. You just make um, up shit on a whim. So we, we do we have any coffee or like our buttons or shit as well, or are we just gonna do horror box? We'll just do. We can just do horror box because Don't edit um, any of this stuff I'm, out. I'm gonna be leaving, so I haven't really stocked up on coffee. Just yet. Yeah, basically all we have to do is we just send the person the code and they can do it. So basically it's super easy. We have a website for you. If you win, you uh, type in this code and you put your address in and the whore box will send you the stuff automatically. Okay, here we go. So we just need to figure out what to do. Uh, what, do you have a question? What is a... What is a film that you discovered... At a film festival or film event or screening that you knew nothing about going in, we wanted. Ooh, we wanted. Or the theater. To just say the theater. Too. In the theater, there's a lot of people don't make it up. In that. the theater, something that you went in completely blind and ended up loving. There you go. We want to hear from yeah. you. Email us at readme at thescreamcast dot com with your story. It doesn't have to be too long. Just a little paragraph, something for us to read. But uh, what's a movie that you discovered in the theaters that you knew nothing about going in? You went in totally blind and yeah. loved and put the your shit out in, of it. Because we have to announce it on the next show. Yes. Your name and so, uh, yeah, city of where you're from. Like a week. Yeah, because we... And, you know, send your send your email. Uh, you'll have the email, right? Yep. Read me at thescreencast.com. So you have a week. Yeah, put your email in there, and uh, you get, like, four fucking, like, Blu-rays and shit, so it's pretty cool. Okay. So. There we go. Yeah, we, we do things. We will, uh, we we will probably put this out on social media as well to get the word out, but you listeners, you heard it first. So. All right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Horror Box is going to be a sponsor. I will be adding them to the website as well. Um, GrindhouseVideo.com, yeah, of course. And then Kevin Spencer and uh, 
Wolf Meta Mars. Check out their music. So go to thescreamcast.com slash sponsors. All the information is Nerdly.seek.uk something. Some UK website. Dude, you're totally like... Nerdly.co.uk has been been posting our our shows there too, so check them out and check out that site. Give that site some love. And of course, huge uh, smooches to oneofus.net for hosting us each week. We will talk to all of you next time with another South by Southwest update. Talk to you later. Bye. Brad, you say goodbye? Oh, you were cutting out. I didn't know. I didn't know this was happening. Tell our listeners right, goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Screencast episode 98. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Bye. You didn't do it again. You didn't say bye. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's cutting out too much. Fuck cell phones. All right. I don't know what's going on. And we're done. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun. 